Remember how you are working and answering and saving and healing all around us at the same time, God, because there is no need too great that you cannot meet. And so, God, we pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to be in all of these situations, God, whether it is through healing, whether it is through comfort, whether it is through um, encouraging those to step up and see a need that needs to be met in our community. God, I just pray that we would trust that you are working and moving and you are greater than any of our own efforts combined. God, I thank you that you allow us to be a part of that work as we're going to read into your word today and see what you have for us. God, I thank you for the opportunity to set aside some time right here and now to put aside all the worries of the world, all of our stresses, all of our anxiety, any of our other desires, God, and just simply worship you, God, through raising our voices, praising you with the air that you have put in our lungs, or God, or just sitting and listening and reflecting on the word that you have given us and the truth held within. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for our church family, and we thank you for those who cannot be with us here right now. So we just pray for them, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand if you want and greet one another in fellowship in Christ. Is she not? She's right there. Okay. I just need you to sign this. It's an inspection form. I just need you to sign it. You got a pen? Ah, don't Someone. let me get it. Okay. All right. Here, take it with you. Take it. Take it. I'll give it back. Okay. Please find a seat. Terry Tibbetts to the front office. Terry Tibbetts to the front office.
Good morning, everybody. We're going to sing Victory in Jesus, and guess what? You have a hymn book in front of you. Yay! Yeah, just touch her on the... How, do you, how are you going to do that? You people in the back, don't come up here and touch these hymn books in the front. So if you touch a book, it's your book for the rest of the day. All right, there we go. Don't be sharing these books now. We'll figure all this out, won't we? Let's all stand. We're going to sing Victory in Jesus. It's page number 353. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How He gave His life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about His groaning Of His precious blood's atoning Then I repented of my sins And won the victory
Right now we'll release the horde to Children's Church. I don't know if you guys have ever read that book, The, uh, the Lord of the Flies. But it can get a little crazy over there. No. But if we ever find him tied up, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> if you will, go ahead and turn to Nehemiah chapter 3. We're going to be continuing our study there this morning. So, if you'd read forward after last week, looking at the text, you probably felt the same way that I did <clears throat> when looking forward studying through this as it's going to be a boring week. <laughs> it would be the night, stay up late maybe, because I'm probably going to fall asleep during service on Sunday. Because all that this chapter is about is just about how they built and they built and they built. And I'm going to list off 20, 30 names here today um, that we don't typically hear, like Eliashib, um, her, so on and so forth. And, you know, it's just so funny. I felt the same way when I looked at the last chapter, the last little section of Colossians, where he's just thanking everybody, where he's listing off all those people. And that was one of the sermons that we had right when we kind of started putting everything online during the lockdown. But it's just so funny how you can... I was talking to Harrison the other day. I just prayed, you know, that God would just give me a fresh eyes for this, for this text, uh, a fresh look, just to see whatever he would have for us to see. And he did. And there's just so much more below the surface of these words than we ever know if we will just spend time in them, if we will just read them, if we will just put them to memory or reflect on them. God will use even just listing out the work that was done on this wall to impact us here today, thousands of years later. So let us begin. Uh, Nehemiah chapter three, verse one. So the high priest Eliashib and his fellow priests began rebuilding the sheep gate. Now, something we're gonna recognize as we start going through these is that it's gonna be listing off the sheep gate, the fish gate, the old gate, the broad wall, all these different structures. And what it's actually doing is it's walking us around the perimeter of Jerusalem from north to east to south to west. And many of these gates are named because of their proximity to different things. So the sheep gate was kind of near the stockyards. The fish gate was near, um, I forgot the technical term for a place where you sell fish, a fish market. And, uh, you know, the broad wall was literally a wall with a broad on it. Just kidding. It was a wide wall. It was 20 feet across. And so uh, there's different things. And that's why I like the valley gate. It was near valley. The dung gate, you can imagine. And so as we read through these, that's just kind of giving you an idea of proximity as we work around the perimeter of the city. And the reason that he starts with the gates, the reason why as he starts talking about who did what, they're all begin rebuilding the different gates because the gates were the most important thing for the security of the city. It was the entry point, exit point. And so they began work on the gates and then worked their way out from there to the walls because the gates were the most likely place to be attacked at any point. And so they were the most vital to be structurally sound. So 
They began rebuilding the Sheep Gate. They dedicated it and installed its doors. And after building the wall to the Tower of the Hundred and the Tower of Hananel, they dedicated it. They consecrated it. And the men of Jericho built next to Eliashib, and next to them Zakur, son of Amiri, built. And so they built, and they built, and they built. And in Nehemiah 3, that is what it's all about, is about the work of God's people, how individuals pitched in and did the work together, how they coordinated and were led by Nehemiah. And so they worked on the Sheep Gate. And again, we talked about the, why it was called that. And it was one of the most likely places for enemy attack. And so we come to our first character here, uh, which is the high priest, Eliashib. And this was the first worker mentioned. And he rose up to do the work with the other priests, and they worked at rebuilding the sheep gate and the section of the wall near there. And Eliashib, he was the high priest, and he acted as a godly leader should. He was out in front doing the work. He was leading by example, and he did not act as if he was too spiritual or too important to be out there hammering, working, rebuilding the walls next to the other people. And so what this gives us a first look at as we get into the text is that if you are a leader, others are looking hard at you all the time. And they're looking hard at you and they follow your example at any business, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's, uh, you know, the service mart down the way, whatever it may be, most workers are only going to work as hard as their leaders. They set the standards. They set the expectations for Um, You know, if you're at a restaurant, if I didn't clean, my people were going to be lax about cleaning. If I didn't work hard, my people were going to be lax. They thought, oh, I can get away with doing less because the manager does less. And so the leader sets the standards. He sets the expectations. And so we see Elisheb getting out there, putting in the work. And so there was a good reason why Elisheb, he was first mentioned here. Uh, And you got to think about all of these men and some women, who were mentioned throughout this text, some sons and daughters who were doing the work of God that they were called to do, it wasn't just, they're being mentioned here today. We are reading their names. We are remembering them because God saw their work. And he denoted to Nehemiah to put them down so that they would be noted for the work that they had done. Now, that is not why they did this work. They didn't know that thousands of years later, people would be reading about them, uh, Joadiah or Besodiah or any of them. They were not doing the work so that they would be remembered. But yet God still honored them in this way. And so we get to see their example and apply it to our own lives as well. So that is why Elisheb and almost 50 others are going to be mentioned today for the example of the work that they put in for the Lord. So they consecrated it. They um, dedicated it to the Lord as we see at the end of verse 1. And so the idea behind consecration, this dedication, it is recognize something as special, as uniquely set apart for God's glory and for his purpose. And so these city gates, they were made special to God by his people. Nehemiah and Eliashib knew that God wanted everything set apart special to him, including these city walls and gates. But beyond that, he wanted his people set apart again. And though it looks like they were rebuilding the walls here, that they were beginning to rebuild just the physical structure of God's kingdom on earth, what they were truly rebuilding was their relationship with God, their obedience to him, and being his kingdom and his people here on this earth. So yes, they consecrated the work, they devoted it to him, but no matter how great or how small their service was for him, 
It was not for themselves to be noted, as we talked about. This is still how we should do our work for God today. Remember as we let, uh, it was in chapter three of Colossians, we read that, and whatever you do, either in word or in deed, do all in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So next to Elisha, it mentions the men of Jericho and what they worked on. And it, just to remember, like, even though they were not named by name, just as Elisha was, every man's work was important. And though these did not work on the gate, they did the important job of building the walls and the protection for the security of Jerusalem. And so everything that we do in service to God, he sees, he notes. And though we're not all written down in this book right now, whether it's taking out the trash on Wednesday nights or cooking or teaching or whatever it may be, whether you're just bringing donations, God sees the work that you do for his kingdom and for the people that he has put you here to serve. And he takes note of that and he honors us for that. But again, you know, that's where so often we get confused today. That's where so often people fall astray and fall into the kind of this false gospel where it's Jesus plus works equals my salvation. What we have to understand is that for you to know that you're saved, there's going to be fruit. There's going to be uh, work. You're going to be put into motion because you've now been given a purpose. But you don't keep your faith. You don't keep your salvation by doing these things, by serving in certain ways. You don't get, you know, extra little marks. You know, if you sin and then you do something good, that doesn't balance it out. Your sin, your debt has already been paid by Jesus Christ on the cross. And so it's from that that we go forward and do these works. Not to protect that, not to anchor that in, our salvation, but from that, from the security, this foundation that it has already been taken care of, we can move forward and do these works. And we're going to see some people, uh, one guy later on who's mentioned here, who made some mistakes in the past, and yet God had redeemed him and still put him to work today. So let's move on. Verses three through five. Also, the sons of Hassaniah built the fish gate near the fish market. They built it with beams and installed its doors, its bolts and bars. And next to them, Merimoth, son of Uriah, son of Hakaz, made repairs. Beside them, Meshulam, son of Barakai, son of Meshabel, Meshezabel, made repairs. And next to them, Zadok, son of Benai, uh, son of Bana, made repairs. And so beside them, the Tekoites made repairs. But their nobles did not lift a finger to help their supervisors. So beside them, the Tekoites made repairs, but their nobles did not lift a finger to help their supervisors. Made repairs. Made repairs is a word that we see almost 35, 37 times throughout this verse. The Hebrew word for that is shazak. And in this chapter alone, we see it over and over again. And it has the idea of strengthening, encouraging, and making something strong. And so these are principles that have application to far more than just the material gates and the walls that are being worked on here because it was truly their devotion and their obedience to God, their willingness to follow him and his ways that was being repaired. So God, while he, the people, while his people thought that they were working on his kingdom and following his will, what he really was doing was working on them. And then we saw, again, it says, next to them, the Tekoites uh, made repairs. The Tekoites did their work 
and the people of the city of Tekoa were more than willing to do the work, but their nobles did not put their shoulders to the work of the Lord, as it says in some versions. So for the most part, people joined in, but not everybody did. These nobles from the city of Tekoa thought that they were above the hard work. They didn't join in. And in the same spirit, that same thought, that same action, so often it falls into our own workplaces, into our own households, and even into our church today. A feeling to let somebody else do the work, that you're above it, that it's, it's lesser than you. Um, and we see that regardless of station throughout this chapter, because we're going to see leaders and priests and governors over whole sections of Jerusalem get down and put their shoulders to the work of the Lord. So we see that regardless of station throughout this chapter, all are called to work for God. And we see uh, mentioned here, note, note will be taken of those that do not. So yes, even though God is going to see the works that you do, and he is going to honor you for that, at the same time, God will see the work that we do not do, that we sustain from because of our own pride, because we're not willing to be humble and do what he has called for each of us to do. So look at it in this in a spiritual sense as well. The idea in the Hebrew, the language portrays this, is that those leaders of the Tekoites, that they would not submit. They would not submit. They would not bend their necks to what the Lord wanted them to do. And so the real issue here was submission to God. And maybe they thought that they had a better plan, or maybe they didn't like Nehemiah or how he was doing it, but whatever their reason, you can be sure that they later regretted it because they stand in infamy as the only people mentioned in this chapter who did not join in in the work. What a dishonor. What a burden. And I can only imagine that after this was put into print and after all of Judea, you know, held this book as a solid foundation for their connection to God, that their, their, not their inheritance, but their family members, I guarantee they worked extra hard to make up for this, to make up for the failure of their predecessors. And so we're actually going to see the Tekoites do a little bit more uh, later on. But Moving on, verses 6 through 12. So moreover, Jehodiah, the son of Peseh, and Meshullam, the son of Besodiah, repaired the old gate, which was the old gate. I'm just kidding. I don't know why that one's called that way. But they laid its beams and they hung its doors with its bolts and bars. And next to them, Melatiah and the, the Gibeonite, Jadon, the Meronothite, and the men of Gibeon and Mizpah repaired the residence of the governor of the region beyond the river. Next to him, Uziel, the son of Harahiah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs. Also next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, made repairs. And they fortified Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. And next to them, Rephiah, the son of Hur, leader of half the district of Jerusalem, again, no matter what station, leader of half the district of Jerusalem, made repairs. And next to them, Jedidiah, uh, or Jediah, the son of Harumph, Haramath, made um, repairs in the front of his house. And next to him, Hattush, the son of Hashabani, made repairs. Malkajah, uh, the son of Harim, and Hashub, the son of Pahath Moab, repaired another section, as well as the tower of the ovens. 
And next to him was Shalom, the son of Helohesh, leader of half the district of Jerusalem. He and his daughters made repairs. So moreover, as we saw in that first verse, Jehodiah, son of Pashan, and Meshalom, the son, repaired the old gate. Among the repairs of the old gate and its nearby walls was Uziel, one of the goldsmiths, and alongside him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers. And so these men were from different professions. They were not professional builders. They were not trained for this kind of work. It seemed that they were, it would have been an easy excuse to get out of doing what God had called his nation to do, what he had called his people to do. Because, you know, I don't, I'm a perfumer. I don't know how to build a gate. I'm a goldsmith. This is not my thing. And yet still, these people, we see them come out of their comfort zones, come out of what they know to follow God and what he has called for them to do. And so what we see here is that the most important ability, if you're trying to do the work of the Lord, is just simply availability. One of the few gifts, a person that has few gifts, little talent, but one who has a passion and a drive to see God's work done, will accomplish far more than a gifted and talented person who doesn't have the passion or the drive to do the Lord's work. And I'll even add in, they don't have the obedience to do what God has called them to do. So you don't have to be a great public speaker or teacher or preacher, but if you can serve in any way, God can put you to work in his kingdom. God can put you to work in your church. God can put you to work in your workplace. God can use you to grow his kingdom, to know Christ, to make him known, just as he has for each and every one of us over and over again throughout this whole pandemic. All the texts that we've been looking towards simply points to the fact that every person who knows God has now been given a purpose to serve him. Every single one of us. And look at the people that God has used throughout the scripture. Those that failed him over and over. And yet again, he gave them strength and endurance and perseverance. Moses, who had a speech impediment. All these different things. He used people who were flawed and dysfunctional. And he overcame those weaknesses with his strength in order to put them to work for his will. And so if you feel so inadequate, like I do pretty consistently... Why wouldn't you just put your faith, your trust that if God has called for you to do something, he's going to give you the ability to do it. He's going to help you through it. God doesn't just pull us up when we are down. God doesn't just uh, bring us from death to life. He does so much more each and every day that if we would just trust him in, our lives would be dramatically and drastically changed. So again, the most important ability, if you want to serve the Lord, is for you to just make yourself available. So let me mention here the broad wall. The broad wall is cool, and the only reason I bring that up is because uh, in college I got a chance to go to the Holy Land, to Jerusalem, and the remains of the broad wall are there. They've been uncovered. And so a lot of critics, uh, you know, so often they deny the accuracy of the Old Testament, of the Bible, uh, of history like this. But the the archaeologist's shovel is consistently confirming the truth of the Bible over and over again. Archaeology, that's why it's one of my favorite scientists. That's why the professor who uh, nailed it into me to be one of my favorite uh, sciences is because it's just uncovering what is already there and the truth that is already there. And so if you have some time later, I would just encourage you to look into the broad wall 
that is in Jerusalem today that we can see. Again, 20 feet wide, much more normal, and that's why it was called the Broad Wall. So Raphiah, the son of Hur, leader of half the district of Jerusalem, he worked on this section of the wall, and here was another leader, just as we said, who knew real leadership is getting down and doing the work, being a servant. Instead of expecting others to do it for you, no matter what degrees, no matter what titles, no matter what positions you may hold on this earth, you are all to be humble servants before the Lord. Just as Christ, when he got down and dressed himself as a servant, as a slave, and washed the feet of his disciples, we too are to take that example and be humble servants to all of those around us. And so you are not too good or too important to do anything that God would call you to do to serve those around you and to be a witness of the love of Christ. Jedediah, the son of Harumaph, uh, made repairs in the front of his house. Uh, five times, I want to point this out, five times in Nehemiah, it spe- in Nehemiah 3, it speaks of those who worked on the section right in front of their house. Often we need to be We need to give attention to the work of God right where we live, right where he has put us. And so your home can be a place of ministry. Where you are can be a place of ministry. And again, whether that's your workplace or your classroom or wherever it may be, God has put you there. That is where you are. And so that is where he is going to call you to do ministry. That's why missionaries are so important and yet so different than the everyday follower because God calls them to go way far away, to go out of their comfort zones, out of what they know, to go to Uzbekistan, as we're going to have Luke and Rachel Carter here with us here in a couple weeks to share what's been going on with them in their ministry across the seas through IMB, as Brazil or wherever our people that we support serve. That's why they're special and that's why we honor them and support them in a little different way. But the reality is you are a missionary wherever you are. And most of all, exactly where you are. That is where God has put you and that is where you are to serve. And so, so often people put off, well, if only I would go here, if only I could be doing this, if only he would put me in this situation, then I would serve the Lord. But the reality is if you're not serving God, and this is what they tell people who are planning to go into the ministry, to go into missions across seas. This is one of the first things that they start teaching you. If you're not serving God where you are right now, in where you are at in your life right now, then how are we going to expect you to be any different when we move you somewhere else, when you go somewhere else? You have to serve God here and now. And if you do that work, if you do it diligently and obediently, he will move you to something greater. And so the names of the men um, who are said to have made repairs, there's actually five of them, and the meanings behind their names are really cool and important. And so uh, uh, do a little trailer. That's what we're going to be studying this Wednesday night during adult Bible study. If you guys can be there for that, Bible study is going to be at 7. We're going to have synergy going on at the same time. The meal that we're going to have planned... It's going to be a taco bar, and there's going to be brownies, and there's going to be ice cream on top of those brownies. And I'm very excited because that's one of the only desserts that I really enjoy. And that meal is for anyone. I think we had like 70, 60 there last week. Uh, We would love to have 100. We'd love to have the whole church there so we can fellowship together for that meal on Wednesday nights. But it's not just for the kids. Uh, It's for choir. It's for um, adult Bible study, whoever would like to join in. So a little plug there. 
Back to the scripture. So Jedediah, we read about that, the names of the men. We'll talk about that on Wednesday. Um, the son of Haram. This man was mentioned, ah, yes, all right. Mal- Malkijah, who I struggle with his name constantly. I've struggled with most of these names, but I promise I studied. So Malkijah, son of Haram. This man, he is actually mentioned in Ezra 10.31 as one of the men who had fallen away from God, who had been disobedient to him. He was confronted personally by Ezra for the sin of taking a pagan wife. And that was many years before this, many years before this. And so Malkijah got things right with God between then and now. And years later, he still is serving God. And so, so often, we as believers today, we feel like we fall into a place of failure. We feel like we have sinned so bad that there is not enough grace that, to where God is going to ever want to use us again. But if you look around it, and I'm not going to point fingers or anything, but even at myself, even at other leaders within our church, and leaders who are leaders not by title, but by the way that they serve others, the way that they follow and are obedient to God, If you look around at many of the leaders in this church, if you looked into their past, you would see failure and sin and death. But God in his graciousness, in his mercy for us, he is transforming lives. He is bringing us from death to life. He is renewing our hearts and our minds. And so even though there is sin, even though there is failure in the past, That does not mean that you cannot move forward, grow in your faith, grow in your obedience to God, and serve him today. So never let past failure get in the way of you serving God today. So there was a great number of different people working on the walls, and it was imperative that they all worked with the same mind that all of them would be in uniform and that would be a strong defense. If this section of the wall was only this tall and this section of the wall was even taller, it would be a weak point. It would be a structural deficiency. And so they had to be unified. They had to be on the same plan, the same team to do what God had called them to do. And that's such, I just want to point out, you know, that is something that we as a church, we have to be unified as we move forward, as we work to do what God has called us to do. We have to build our walls to the same level. And what's so great about that is it goes beyond just these four walls here. We, as you know, I talked about, I asked you to pray for Nile River Baptist for the 26 SBC churches here in our county, that we would all be united. And that beyond that, we would be united with our brothers and sisters in Christ who are of a different denomination because they can't read or they like their lights a different color or they prefer an organ or whatever it may be, things of this world. Or, and beyond that, all of the Southern Baptist churches in our nation, that we would just be unified in the gospel, that we'd be unified in Christ, and that here in our church, in our local community, in our countywide community, state, country, uh, world, that God's people, if they would just work together, they can do some amazing things. We have thousands and thousands and thousands of fully funded missionaries out there right now because of the IMB, because churches like ours, little churches all across the nation, put their money to support them in, uh, I don't even remember how many hundreds of nations right now, working and serving over there to make the gospel known. In nations where less than 1% of the millions of people that live in that country have ever heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. God loves those people. And so we, that is why we are working for them. But there are still people, just so you know, right down the street, right next to you, 
in the store who'd never heard the gospel or have heard the gospel, but have heard it in a way that has been hurtful or degrading and there is not the truth or they've been told a false gospel or they have been hurt by a church and now all they see us as is hypocrites and as liars. And so we are called to show them the love of Christ, to show them the truth of his gospel and his word. Let's move on towards the end. A lot of scripture to get through here, so just bear with me. Hanun and the inhabitants and the inhabitants of Zenoa repaired the valley gate, verse 13. They built it, they hung its doors and bolts and bars, and repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the refuse gate. Malkjah, the son of Rakab, leader of the district of Beth Harasim, repaired the refuse gate, and he built it and hung its doors and its bolts and its bars. Shalun, Mizpah, repaired the foundation gate, the pool of Shelah, it was uh, repair. Um, they, he built it, covered it, hung its doors with its bolts and bars, repaired the wall, the pool of Shelah, all the way by the king's garden, and as far as the stairs go down the city to, to the city of David. After him, Nehemiah, he worked. Um, Hashabiah, he worked. Keliah, he worked. Bavai, Henadad, Mizpah, Jeshua, Ezer, it just goes on and it goes on and it names these names. Baruch, the son of Zabai, worked on the buttress. Um, uh, Arijah, the son of Kaz. And again, I don't want to go through all these because it'll just be over and over. But these men, they put in the work. They put in the work over and over again. As you come down to verses uh, 26 through 27, let me read there. Moreover, the Nethanim, who dwelt in Ophel made repairs as far as the place in front of the water gate toward the east and on the projecting tower. And after them, the Tekoites, remember them, they repaired another section next to the great projecting tower as far as the wall of Ophel. And so the Tekoites, even though their leaders had not stepped up to do the work, they had, and they had gone beyond what God had even called them to do. And they were repairing another section, doing the work that God had for them and stepping up and above and beyond that. And so, you know, many of these people, they may have felt at the time like they could only accomplish what was right in front of them. Like maybe they could only get this small piece done. But when they actually started doing the work, when they actually put their hands towards the will of God, he gave them an energy and a passion to do even more than they could have imagined, even when they didn't have the backing, when they had a bad example of their personal leaders, they still were able to do the work. So, let us just use that as an example that you are not limited in what you can do by your leadership. You're not. Now, so often as we talked about in the beginning, leadership sets the standard. Leadership sets the expectations. They set the pace for the work that is gonna be done. But I promise you, if the success of a church or the success of a business or whatever solely depended upon the leaders, we would be in big trouble right here at this church. Because the truth is, it is dependent upon the people's willingness. A leader is only as good as the people that will follow, as the people that will work, because a leader cannot do it all on their own. And that is something I wanna point out as we get near close for all of this. It wasn't just one family. It wasn't just Nehemiah. It wasn't just two families or 10 or 14. It was all of the people working together 
and unity in one mind to accomplish what God had called them to do. It has to be shared. Now, if one family had begun the work, this could have been done, but would have taken forever. (laughs) I mean, forever. It was because all of the nation, all of God's people, turned their mind to do one thing. That was what God had called them to do, and it was to rebuild the walls. And in doing so, God used that work of their hands to rebuild his people, to repair them from their disobedience, from their sinfulness. As we read, that was the main problem. They had turned to sin and turned away from God. And through putting them to this work, he was renewing them, rebuilding them, repairing them, just as they repaired the city of Jerusalem. And so maybe in a time where everything in our nation seems to be broken, our economy, our social lives, everything is messed up, everything is different, everything is not the same. And even though we're fighting right now to try to get a normalcy, we need God to step in and to repair what has been broken. And repair it in a way to where, not just to where the gates are back up, not just to where the walls have been put back in place, but to where we as his people are right with him. And so the things I want you to take away from this chapter are just these few things. This chapter shows the need for believers to work together to accomplish something. What are we doing as a church? Why are we here? It's for one another to love each other, to serve God, and then to leave this building and go and love and serve others in God's will. And so if we can just get on, you know, we're doing so many things right now to just help people in their physical lives. We are taking care of their kids on Fridays. We are sending money um, to folks that are in need. We are uh, giving people food to eat, products, things that they need, just to be able to be more comfortable, more sustained here on this earth. But the reason that we're doing all that, the, the only reason we should do any of that, is because their spiritual selves, their spiritual lives, that is what really needs help. People need hope. People need salvation. And so if you're a part of any of our ministries and you're doing it for any other reason than for that alone, than to spread the gospel, then you need to step back and rethink why you serve. If you are a part of our church and you are not serving in any way, then I, I honestly, please come help. Even if you just welcome, if you just open doors for people as they come on Mondays, even if you just help hand out, you know, or open milk cartons for the little kids on Fridays, just any way that you can get involved, do it. Please do it. But do it for the right reasons. And that is to make Christ known. And so God will put us into situations where we must work together, whether here or at home. And one thing that I just took from all of this was God is going to use you wherever he puts you. God is going to use you to do work even right outside your home. And as we saw many of the times, it was the sons, it was the daughters, it was those that are willing to do the work. It was families that were putting in the work of God. So that is why it's so cool that the church is a reflection, a model of a family. 
but there are still individual families within this. And if you are not raising up your children, your families to do ministry where you are at home, then you're missing out on what God has called for us to do. So whether you are at home, at work, or in this church, or in, involved in one of our ministries, I just want us all to recognize that God has such a great purpose for us that we really are working and building towards something. And it may not be something that we see the fruits of today, but, and it may not be something that we even feel gratification in today or that we feel um, honored in today. Because a lot of the times ministry is messy and it is hard and it is dirty and it will leave you feeling broken and, and empty. But that will not always be the case. God remembers and God honors. And that is how he will treat us as his people, both here in Nehemiah, but also here today. Terry, if you'll come up. This morning, you know, we had so many prayer requests at the beginning. Uh, Mel and Megan, Audrey, Miss Viola. Um, we still want to continue to pray for the Payne family. We still want to comp- continue to pray for Johnny as he recovers. Um, and for uh, Candy's friend out in Wyoming as she flees the fires. So right now, we're going to take a special moment to just set aside just to pray. Whether you want to come up here and pray, whether you need to turn and repent from God, whether you're just feeling hopeless or lonely or broken, we will pray with you. So take this time. Please stand and sing.
Okay. Does anybody have a testimony or a praise this morning? Very good. Well then, as we close service today, we actually have a family who is willing to join, if y'all come forward. The Bradburns have been visiting with us for um, almost a month now or several weeks. They've gone through our new membership class. Uh, they've been getting involved in our Wednesday night activities, and now that we're doing those again, uh, so I guess one time gets you, means you got involved. Um, but they sat through a class that I taught, so that I'm a big fan, so... But uh, we just want to welcome them. This is Chris and Julie and Ashley and Caleb. Caleb and Jacob. All right, I, didn't, I almost got the boys confused. But um, we just want to welcome you all to our church. Uh, thank you for being a part of us. Do you all want to share? Uh, just introduce yourselves in any way that I haven't done already. No, you, you're expected to do like a five, <laughs> ten minute speech. I'm <laughs> Okay, very good. Uh, will you tell us all where you're from and how you've come back here? Okay. Sorry. No, oh, we're originally from Blue Ridge, and then we went to Knoxville for four years and got our son through an ROTC program so he can be an officer in the Army. So, yeah. And now we moved back, but we crossed the line right over into Union County. So. That's right. Yeah, he's currently in Texas right okay. now. So. Their son, Justin, is currently in the Army. He's serving in Texas. He's a personal favorite of mine because we share the same name. And we stole a family from Fannin County, so praise God we got another one. Yes. All right. So uh, we're going, we need to have a vote. What is the pleasure of the church? Is there a second? Very good. Yes, that is by transfer of letter of the other churches of which they are all members because they have all been... They've all been saved and baptized and members of a church. Excellent. Very good. So, all in favor say aye. Aye. All in disfavor say the same. Motion passes. Thank you all. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so I'm going to pray to close us out, and then if you would like to come up and... Uh, pass by. Pass by. <laughs> <laughs> Greet from a distance. Usually we hug or shake hands, whatever. We're, we're going to figure all this out. So, all right, let us pray. Father God, thank you for the day. Um, God, even though <laughs> my delivery may have been dry, your word certainly is not. God, your spirit is all within it. You are trying to grow us and move us and make us into the people that you have called for us to be. God, whatever spoke to us today, God, I pray that we would know that it was you. It was no work that I had done and that we heard what we needed to hear from you. And God, I pray that we would move on that, whether it's to uh, uh, pull us away from something, uh, from sin or from the enemy, God, or, or to refocus us on what you have for us to do where we are at right now, God. I pray that we would just uh, take some time to look back at this word, to seek to honor you through it. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to praise and worship you today. God, again, help us to remember all the need that is out there. Let us continue to support them through prayer, through phone calls, through the love that you have given us through Jesus Christ. Let it, us just continuously outpour that to others. And God, I thank you for our church family. I thank you for allowing us to gather again here on Sundays and Wednesdays. And God, just please be with us as we are desperately in need of you each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Welcome.